Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. This episode is brought to you by the Confident Woman Collective. If you've ever felt that you need more community of women that are ready to up-level both professionally, personally, relationally, then definitely make sure you hop in and get more information about the Confident Woman Collective to make sure you're surrounding yourself around the people to best serve you to help you become your most confident self. All right, ladies, today we have a very special guest with us. Today we have Christine Horonic, and Christine is an award-winning chemical engineer, a three-time champion fitness competitor, and founder of Gage Life. Through years of coaching, she has helped over 40,000 women transform their bodies and switch to a positive body self-image and research. Christine has discovered the key to fat loss is eating the optimum ratio of macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, and fat for your body. Also, there is no golden ratio that works for everyone. Instead, your ideal varies depending on your body type and your carb tolerance. In her book, Unlock Your Macro Type, Christine talks about more of what the fad diet industry and a hip sounding fitness ideology. It is about a fundamental change in the way society will reveal how the body works going forward. The extensive scientific data presented in this book and hopefully will utilize the nutritionist, health, and wellness experts of years to come. In Unlock Your Macro Type, Christine teaches readers about the five macro types, bio-individual nutritional blueprints rooted in science and backed by real-world results. Some will be surprised to discover that they should actually be eating more calories and not less. Her book, it's just, I'm like reading on through her bio and it is just incredible. You guys seriously have to check this out because we can keep going on and on with you know, what the book is about, but really it is about just empowering you to create a sustainable lifestyle and stop jumping on those diet trains. Like, aren't they exhausting? So, you know, read more about this and we're going to dive into it too. But, you know, Christine has a YouTube channel of over 25 million views. She has also received awards from the American Chemical Society and was published in the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. Christine was part of the team that created Time Magazine's Invention of the Year for her work in the biotech field. You guys, seriously, I mean, I, I, I'm i so excited to jump in today and have this conversation. It's going to be real. It's going to be honest. And, you know, that's the beauty of our, our podcast is really getting to that, that middle, that, that journey that led our guests to create such powerful tools, powerful books, powerful businesses that really just equip women with, the again, tools and resources to create a lifestyle that is conducive to that individual. So I'm excited to dive in. And so welcome, Christine. Your bio is phenomenal. You are incredible with all the works that you do and just really giving back to those women. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And uh, I'm very like honored to be here today. Yes. So I mean, we're just going to kind of jump right in, but tell us more, more about you and, and, you know, how you got started in the line of work that you are, uh, you know, helping over 40,000 women transform their body to writing, you know, a, a book that really empowers these women to your experience and background in chemical engineering, kind of how it all ties together, because you've done some incredible things, but like, if you could sum it up, what is that one thing that really lights you up and is passionate about that got you started on this journey? It's funny. I, I think if I had to boil it down to one key moment, it and this is what fueled me through my my career in, in engineering. It's it's when I can't figure out how to do something, it irritates me, it frustrates me, and I'm of the mindset that like there should be no practical reason why I can't do something that I put my mind to. And it started from frustration, honestly. Um, that, that's even how I got into engineering because I remember being in high school chemistry class, calculus class, not understanding certain things. And I remember just being asking my teachers questions, questions, questions. And my, <laughs> my high school calculus teacher said to me, he's like, Christine, if you don't understand the fundamental theorem of calculus, like, you shouldn't be going to college for engineering. And my whole thing was like, 
as my teacher, teach me, help me understand because I didn't get it. And, you know, that led me through college. Obviously, I graduated um, summa cum laude with honors, have a bachelor's and master's in biological and chemical engineering. And I did great. Like I'm a very type A, like, type of a person. Um, I'm actually half Filipino. So uh, anyone who knows any Filipino moms, they're like these tiger moms. They're like, you will be successful. You're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer. And, you know, ever since I was 10, my mom's like, you're going to be an engineer. And, you know, the thing is it worked. It challenged me, all those good things. And I started my career off at DuPont, which is a it was a really big Fortune 100 company. And it was like a finishing school. I'm so grateful for my experience there because I learned so much about the industry. I learned a lot of the formalities. I had access to just the most brilliant minds on the planet and just doing great work. The problem I had with that situation was it, you know, very bureaucratic, it moves very slow, like that big company vibe. And I just had this thirst for results. I wanted to drive progress. I wanted to see things change. And, you know, I just didn't want to be a dinosaur and waste like 20 years of my career being pretty stagnant. So I took the risk and moved on to a smaller company and I moved into the biotech field. And when I moved into biotech, Rachel, like, that's where like my entrepreneurial spirit like came alive. I was like, whoa, there's like only eight of us on this team. And if like someone doesn't do their job, like heads are going to fly. But like, I loved that pressure. I, I thrived in that environment because your impact was so apparent. You know, it was so apparent. I loved it. Um, I was in charge of research, development, manufacturing. Like I just had so much more responsibility and I thrived in that environment. And it just leveled me up. And mind you, this is all before 30. And at that point, I started doing some consulting on the side, um, doing some product development for folks in, in a lot of different fields. And I had an offer to be an owning partner in a dietary supplement manufacturing company. And my partners at the time, they were really good at sales and marketing, but they didn't have anyone who knew how to run the plant, how to build the products, how to do all that. So I built an FDA registered um, manufacturing plant, ran all the operations, like set everything up, did all the product development. And we manufactured dietary supplements, primarily in the sports nutrition market, but lots of other markets as well. And as I'm doing all of this, you know, I'm getting exposed to the world of like fitness, right? And I always wanted to be one of those girls who had that like fit body, like that lean, tight look. I always admired it, but I could never get there, right? And I convinced myself that I'm not working out enough. And I actually became a marathon runner. I've run several marathons. And I said, if I just do enough cardio, if I just burn enough calories, if I just work harder, work harder, work harder, I will get there. Girl, I was at the point I'm running 50, 60, 70, 80 miles a week, and I'm hungrier. And my body just didn't have that look. It didn't have that look that I wanted. And it frustrated me because I'm working so hard and I'm not seeing the results. And it wasn't until I had a moment of clarity where I was like, Christine, like you're approaching this very irrationally. You're approaching this emotionally. A lot of people bring emotion to fat loss, weight loss. And we start thinking there's something wrong with us. And we're just trying stuff so arbitrarily. And the problem was it was arbitrary. And I know better than this. Like I'm a scientist, like I know better than this. And what I learned at DuPont was that if it cannot be measured, it cannot be improved. Like, you know, I have a green belt and six Sigma manufacturing methods. And like, I'm like, why am I not doing this for myself? So what I did at that point was I'm like, all right, control, control variables. Like what are the inputs? What are the outputs? What knobs do you need to turn? And then I realized, okay, you're eating too many calories. What are the composition of those calories? How many calories are you burning? Once I really started to put the picture together in a logical manner, I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm doing wrong. I'm eating too damn much. And I was just convinced, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced this, but like when you're exercising a lot, you feel justified to eat more, right? You're like, I earned that. I'm like, I just ran 12 miles. It's Saturday morning. I can eat. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I could just out eat whatever I burned. Um, Once I started dialing that in, I realized I needed to do resistance training. My protein content was too low. My carb content, like I said, I'm half Filipino. We eat rice as the main course. I'd eat obscene amounts of rice. And 
it was very offensive to be honest with you. Once I realized how much I was eating relative to what my body functionally required, it was a very big head shift, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to weigh my food. I'm going to have a food journal. Um, this was even before my fitness pal, I wrote everything down. I put it into Excel spreadsheet. I like literally Googled the macros of everything. And then, you know, I, I put it together. And then from there, that's when I started to see results. That's when I started to see results. And the the reality is I did not have enough protein in my body. When you are consuming protein, it puts your body in a positive nitrogen balance. So when you're in a caloric deficit, that forces your body to hold on to that lean muscle mass, burn fat as the fuel source. And then I'm like, that's what those girls are doing. That's why they have those abs. Because like what I was doing wasn't working. And once I started seeing results, I got hype. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to a fitness competition. I did it. I shared my journey on Instagram. This is circa 2012. And my life has never been the same since. Mm. You're speaking my language. And, and it's funny because I, I, I mean, I could relate to every single one of those things, except the chemical engineer girl, I'll give you all that. Like that, that is you, that is incredible. Mine was in the entrepreneurial space, but yeah, it's funny because my first competition was back in 2012 as well. And, wow. and that was the trajectory yeah. that, that from that moment on fitness is, you know, I used it as a, a way to control and manipulate my body after struggling for decades of, you know, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, you know, the diets, the extreme workouts to basically negate what I ate. Cause I would binge and, and restrict and then, you know, self-image self-esteem. So it was like all of those things that led me to the fitness stage that, you know, I thought that was going to get me the results because I had all these other pieces in my life in play. You know, I had the business, the career, the, this, that, and I would look in the mirror and be like, but that I don't have the fit body. That's the body that I had been chasing my whole life. So it's funny. Yeah. I started out in fitness in, in 2012 as a competitor and, and it, you know, it was a not the results that I wanted. I actually had a severe injury because of my chase and it set me back. So it was a, one thing, you know, fitness kind of like killed me in a sense, but yet it saved me in the end. But I love that, you know, you share this journey of, you know, starting out in your, in your career and, you know, even into high school that you were determined, you were driven to figure out the how in things. And even though you were unable to grasp them, grasp the concept, say like going back into calculus, you knew that you are willing to do whatever it takes to succeed and asking those people that are your mentors, your teachers, your leaders, whoever that is, for that support and help where how many of us can kind of get into that position and, and feel so discouraged that we may give up on that journey. And that was like the true instinct inside was like, no, I'm I'm going to figure this stuff out because this means more to me and this is what I want and this is what I want to achieve. So I love that you brought in that curiosity and started questioning everything, which led you into your career. And, and I'm sure that when you downsize into that, that team of eight, mm. you really were in your lane because it, it allowed you to shine in those strengths. And you felt like this is where I, I jam. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of like that same pivoting story is like you felt okay, all these pieces are clicking, but yet the one piece of self wasn't where you wanted to be, which you turned to fitness. So let's talk about that fitness journey. And like, you know, you started, you know, questioning and logging and tracking and doing all the things. And I've done that for several years, but I'm sure that you you eventually get the hang of it. And that's really what the crux of like your book is about to help educate women on that you know, and I, I would assume kind of a disclaimer up front is that your book is not about how to compete. So, you know, no, exactly. Right. Yeah. Both of us as, as uh, competitors, or I'm at least a former competitor, I no longer compete, but it's about finding that way that served you to your highest self and highest capacity that now you implement those ways and strategies and tools to give back to these other women. So let's talk about the, you know, the book and kind of where was that aha moment where in your life, you're like, this is it. This mm -hmm. is, I have to help others do the same because it was like that freeing moment where no more, you were like a slave to this diet train and cardio mm -hmm. and all the stuff. So where did that kind of, where did that switch kind of flip? Um, it, I, I love that you depicted as that, because that's exactly what it was. There was a switch. And um, once I started, I started coaching in 2013 and, you know, it was wonderful. I was enjoying it. I loved what I was doing and it worked until I started to get clients who were different from me. When I got people who were similar to me, similar in age, plus or minus, you know, people who had about 25 pounds or less to lose, 
I was the rock star in that realm. But then once I started getting people with, you know, thyroid issues, type two diabetes, hormone imbalances, it really challenged me to broaden my skill set to really understand how to pivot and how to change. And honestly, I, I burned out at a certain point around 2014 to 2015, where I started to experience body dysmorphia as a result of competing too much. And when I was in this off season mode, you know, my goodness, in hindsight, like (laughs) the times that we look back and thought we were fat when we certainly were not at all in any way, shape or form, I struggled with that. And as my body was gaining weight, as my body was shifting and changing and you know, I'm 20 pounds above stage weight. I'm like, am I fat now? Am I like, am I done? Am I like, am I no longer like, you know, influential in this space? And then I realized like the answer is no, that's not true. The reality is you still have the skill set, you still have the knowledge. And I really took this time around 2015 to be like accepting myself, loving my body, embracing my new normal, as opposed to hating it because. I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to do two hours of cardio every day for the rest of my life. I'm not going to, it's just, it's not sustainable. So the question was, what is sustainable? And around that time, I fell in love with food all over again. Like I fell in love with cooking healthy. I fell in love with ingredient quality. I fell in love with just nourishing myself. And what I started to realize was there's a lot more women out here who just don't want to hate themselves naked. You know, I I took women from two packs to six packs. That's not the story for a lot of people. And there's a lot of women hurting. There's a lot of women in pain. There's a lot of people who really could stand to improve their nutrition. And it doesn't mean you need to step on stage to be successful at that. And once I started leaving the stage as the end all be all goal and shifted the goal to feeling good, my whole life changed because it just opened me up to people who just, again, like I said, they they just don't want to hate the way they look naked. They want to be able to have sex with the lights on and not hate themselves. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of people in that realm. So with that being said, What I found is I was so gung-ho on the bodybuilder approach to nutrition. And I'm sure you're familiar, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Very much so. High protein, low fat, moderate carb. But then yet, why was my body craving more salmon? Like, why was I afraid of avocado? Why was I afraid of almond butter? Why? Like, there's certain foods to this day, like, I'll eat them. But like, I have this second notion that I remember from those competitive years. And I'm like, oh, is this bad? And Obviously, the reality is it isn't. But the thing that this book is all about, it's about gauging how to best fuel your unique body, right? Some people do best being fat fueled. Some people do best being protein fueled. Other folks do best being carb fueled. There is no right answer. But what I have learned, you know, I've worked with over 40,000 clients, have a lot of data, I have a lot of experience. And the thing is, this is where like the engineering background comes into play because it's great to have all that theoretical, biological, like science from the white papers. Wonderful. But it's quite different when you are applying it to actual human beings. What should those macros be? What should your calories be? How should we adjust you this week? What should change? What food should change? And as I began to develop more experience in that area, um, I began to see that what works for me does not work for everybody else. And I began to like refine my process and method with regards to, okay, so what do I need to know about this person in order to really dial them in? Because there's a gap. The gap is this, how somebody eats versus the nutrients their body needs to function and thrives. And once you align those two things together with, with within the harmony of their lifestyle, foods they like, that's where like the light bulbs go off and people really are like, oh, wow, wait a minute, I can eat and not feel hungry and have energy and like it, you know? And I feel like helping people bridge that gap has been, you know, something that I've become an expert in 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 the last decade. Mm. Yeah, so much truth right there. I mean, I can, you know... and, and the beauty of it is when we're when we're on both ends of the spectrum, we can see things twofold. And it's like I could relate to all of what you said, you know, as a as you know, before my switch was flipped. And it was the same thing. I was, you know, 
like if you're a perfectionist and I just say this, like, you know, my book is chasing perfection. You don't have to be a perfectionist to read it, but the concept still is there. It's that all or nothing, black and white, you know, good and bad, healthy junk. It's they're just in absolutes. So we're kind of ingrained in this, you know, from the, this diet culture that is pressed upon, you know, even young kids as early as for me, I can go back to about eight years old. And, and that was like probably my first uh, identity of, of body dysmorphia. I started looking at this body I was in. I was like, why is this big and different? And just, you know, it, it exacerbates this comparison and you grow into it and just to, you know, self-loathing relationship that, you know, as you continue growing, because as a young, you know, young girl to, you know, your teenage years, your body starts growing, your hips go wider, you start to grow in all the places that you're like, whoa, this is physically changing. And it's, and it's making me hate this body that I've already struggled with for years before. So it, it was a way now with diet culture that's pressed upon us is that if you eat these kind of foods, then you will get the results. So it was this fear-based anxiety-driven fear mechanism to like control and manipulate women into that diet culture that, you know, the idea was to be this perfect body. So I mean, like I said, I can totally relate to that. And just having to, to, to shift our mindset into understanding that there are no foods off limits, right? And I assume like with your book and how you help women is that you encourage them to eat like all the foods that they enjoy, as long as it fits within their macro type that is conducive to them getting those results that, you know, they're, they're trying to achieve, you know, not everyone's trying to be the competitor not everyone's trying to, you know, just lose the weight, but it's a really about the intrinsic value of, of the beliefs of really just feeling so strong, healthy, confident, powerful in this body that we're in. And on top of that, to fully love and accept ourselves for who and what we are, we're beyond this body and shell. And so I love that you talk about that because, you know, even for me, this is why I said like this, this conversation is definitely in my wheelhouse. Like this is something I'm so passionate about too. And um, the subtitle of my book is a journey to healing fitness and self-love because I was that girl who hated that body, who went to all extremes and measures to try to get the result. And then mm. similar to you start questioning everything, looking at everything, finding ways that you become your own first student. You yes. become that guinea pig in a sense where you're trial and erring on yourself. But yet then when you start working with women, you realize they're not the same as you and you have to get them up to what works best for them. I love that you really you really talk about that because, again, there is no one size fits all. And that's exactly what your book is about. It's about finding what works best for you. So talk more about like the the fitness uh, or I mean, the the nutrition aspect of it where, you know, we're so ingrained with this diet culture of restriction and we don't have, I mean, there's not enough noise in the fitness industry that says, no, we need to eat more. And ideally when it comes to, to, you know, for most women, when they think of weight loss or getting toned, but really it's that fat loss process. That is the slow, slow, you know, it's, it's the process, right? So it's encouraging women to really just eat the foods they love and enjoy what they eat as well. Um, Let's shift gears into that to how you really incorporate women to kind of rid those beliefs and start eating more of the foods and not fearing that. It's interesting. Um, I take an add to the plate mentality as opposed to a subtract from the plate because so many people come into this with the mindset that like they're going to be missing out on joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I used to be that way. Like, does that mean I can't have nachos? Does that mean I can't have margaritas? Does that mean I can't have X, Y, Z, the list goes on and on. But the reality is it's about what your body needs. And so many of my clients are like, this is so much food. Like, are you sure I'm supposed to be eating this much? And I'm like, yes. They're like, but are you? yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> and I, I think it, it's definitely a recalibration. And the way I describe it to my clients is like this. I said, what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish your new normal. And Everything you know about food, I feel like I need to reteach people food, as weird as that sounds, because, you know, what are macros? Macros are what make up the caloric content of food and having an awareness that an egg is fat and protein, having the awareness that a sweet potato is a carb, having awareness that strawberries are a carb, having the awareness that cheese is fat and protein, like just knowing what it is, because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And I used to be one of those people where like, once I started tracking food, I was like, oh, 
like it, it's offensive when you see how much empty calories are in things that just aren't that gratifying, weren't that good and didn't really satisfy you, you know? And I think that that's where this eyes wide open approach to nutrition needs to come into play because choosing foods, like people say, yeah, a calorie is a calorie, but the, the way your body breaks down that calorie is what I explore in my book. I explain, you know, a, a calorie of, you know, proteins versus carbs versus fat. It, it's going to impact the body completely differently. It impacts your satiety. It impacts your hormones. It impacts your energy levels. It impacts so much. And learning what food is made up of and how to use that information to make choices, informed choices is something that is accessible to everyone. And I get very frustrated when I see these programs that are so prepackaged. So just do this. And I get it. People don't want to think, but all we're doing is just challenging people to look at a label, look at three things, protein, carbs, and fats. And I think that we need to challenge people to take ownership and accountability for educating themselves because this isn't, it's science, but it's not rocket science. You know, like a child can understand this stuff. And, you know, some people don't want to be bothered. They don't want to think about it. And that's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate that people, some folks don't really care about that quality and learning. But I think that for those who truly want to have a different level of experience, you know, it feels good to feel good. And food is not the enemy. Food is food is your greatest advocate. It's not something that you should ever fear. And mm -hmm. I continuously tell my clients that they're like, oh, I was bad this week. I'm like, you weren't bad. I'm like, did you experience joy? Did you enjoy that moment? And if the answer is yes, that's great. But the reality is it's just not going to be something that is going to be official in the long term. So I, my, I tell my clients this, I said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So you can have an ice cream cone, you can have a cocktail, you can have those things, but it's just the quantities and the frequency, you know? Right. And if, if you had joy in that moment, you celebrated an anniversary, you celebrated something very special. That's great. But my other thing is just get back on track, like right. reset early, reset often, because Ultimately, if you don't get yourself back on track, you're only hurting yourself because being on track helps you feel your best. It's not your enemy. It's actually your friend. Right. And you're always just one meal back from getting on track. Yes. And it's just, uh, you know, you can't think of one bad meal. you got to sabotage everything that you started mm -hmm. because on the flip side, you didn't just get to where you are with one good yeah. meal and yeah. one bad meal. Right. So you got to flip it. But I love that you talk about, you know, your your goal of this is to challenge individuals to empower themselves to, with this education and tool. So it's no longer, you know, you're just blindly going through, uh, you know, meal plans and, and feeling like you can only eat the same five foods because that's what your, you know, personal trainer you know, prescribed to you, or you read it off of somebody else's Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's about, you know, really empowering you to make those choices, to think for yourself. And, you know, that analogy where you can, you know, give a man a fish for the day and you feed him, but teach a man to fish, you give him, you know, a yes. fish for life. Um, obviously I probably butchered that, but you get my oh, point. <laughs> and it, but it's true because then it, it opens the doors. And I, I think I'm speaking from my experience and I guess, you know, you could chime in as well. Cause I assume we're very similar in this regard yeah. where we had to overcome it, but it opened the door, you know, for me to start learning this new way of, of fueling my body instead of just dieting, mm -hmm. um, it encouraged and like empowered me to make those choices. And I really questioned everything and kind of wiped that slate clean and started to build again from a new you know, blueprint of what food and nutrition is empowering me to do and how I'm getting the results physically, uh, mentally, and emotionally, because I'm feeling good about it. My mind's in the right place. My physical body is now, you know, showing signs of this progression that we're moving in the right direction. And it got, it, it made me pause. And I said, wow, in what other areas am I blindly just going through life? Let me start questioning those areas as well. And so it really was the catalyst, like fitness and nutrition was the catalyst to creating this life change in me and really like just empowering, okay, well, if I've been doing this, why do I do what I do? And start mm -hmm. challenging those questions to identify those beliefs and real, really where the root comes from. But I love that you, you really harness on that because again, for somebody to 
gain weight, you have to be in a caloric surplus. Mm -hmm. And that always in a caloric deficit equals the results that you want. Because how many of us women are, are, you know, we're running all those miles or overworking or undernourishing, underfeeding us. And yet we're in a, a, you know, severe to moderate caloric restriction, yet we're not getting the results. So when you work with your clients, how does that, you know, a lot, I would presume many of the women are in a caloric very much in a deficit. And they're like, but I'm not getting the results. Should I eat less and less and less? And you're like, no, you're already probably well below your, your, your industry, your standard of where you should start. So how do you kind of address that? And then leading these women to, you know, encourage them to eat more, but it's really more of shifting that mindset because of that belief that had been ingrained in them for so long. Yes. So it's, it's a wonderful question and it's going to depend on the context of the situation. So Unfortunately, age does have a factor with that. And I see this most common in women with hormone imbalances, um, specifically where they will be in a caloric deficit, their body's not changing, stuff's not moving. And, you know, and I validate the fact that, yes, you actually are in a deficit. Like you're not just saying this because you know how people say, oh, but I eat clean, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about those. Words. I'm talking about <laughs> like, define what, what yeah, yes. define what clean is. Okay. Exactly. That salad with 700 things on top of it is not clean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And what I find is, is this, when I explained to them, I said, if you have a hormone imbalance, if you're have, if you have metabolic syndrome, if you go in an extreme caloric deficit, your body is missing out on the opportunity to obtain the nutrients that it needs to rebalance those hormones. And I break it down specifically and explain what nutrients, how, who, what, when, where, why. And I explain to them, you actually need, for some folks, their calories need to be higher. And I actually um, created this hormone reset plan, which is very similar to macro type number four in my book. And the women are just overwhelmed and shocked and actually have hormone reset supplements as well, that they're like, my body needs to eat more. Like, how is this possible? And how am I losing weight? But from a scientific perspective, the mechanism, it just makes logical sense. You need these nutrients to balance these hormones. Once these hormones are balanced, your body can then freely part with stored body fat. But when you're just it's just like driving a car with zero fuel and it's causing the entire car to malfunction. You know what I mean? Like the check engine light is on. Like if you're in an extreme deficit and you're doing the most and nothing's changing, the check engine lights on and you have to go under the hood and you have to fix it. Like you can't just keep driving it harder and harder and harder and harder. And there are like, Oh my goodness. Like, yes, <laughs> it's just, I, I could, I just have so many people that come to mind who have been in that place. We go under the hood, we see what's wrong. We in, get them dialed in with the nutrients they need. And then that's where things start to really change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with that because it's like, you know, and I love the analogy of the car because it's, again, why do we have different grades of gas, right? So there's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to the highest end, your, your engine is going to perform at its highest. Really, mm-hmm. that is what macronutrients do when they're all kind of in alignment working with you instead of against you. And so if we're in that caloric deficit, we're only working against the grain and doing more isn't the result. It's about working smarter, not harder and mm-hmm. getting crystal clear on what it is that really is moving, you know, turning that engine in a way that is conducive for the goals that you set for your own body. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the secret of, of fat, like the secret code of fat and why your body needs to eat fat to burn fat. And mm-hmm. I know for women, when we hear that word fat, it's like a trigger word because fat mm-hmm. means I'm fat and I don't want to eat fat. So how do you, um, you know, really encourage women to, to add more, as you say, more to the plate and get them into the eating more fats. And let's talk about more of that healthier fat from a nutrition standpoint. What does that look like? So there isn't that, that fear and resistance from the get-go. Yeah. So the secret code of fat, eating fat to burn fat. Um, the reality is, and I'm sure, you, I'm not sure if you've heard the, this TEDx talk, I forget the woman's name where she says that women are not small men. And I found that to be so profound. And I'm sure you've seen this in the bodybuilding space where a lot of the plans that circulated around, you know, like whisper down the lane, you know how that works, um, are literally just plans that were scaled for bodybuilders, but towards just the height and weight of a woman. But the reality is hormonally, you know, so many competitors lose their period, lose their cycle, 
because of lack of dietary fat and dietary fat is important for brain health is important for hormone health. And without an appropriate amount of dietary fat, it's going to help regulate your glucose metabolism. It's going to help your body manage and process the carbs in a healthy manner. So healthy fats, in my perspective, like I actually um, love salmon. It's my favorite protein source. Um, I always feel good on it, like coconut um, almonds, avocado, those are like olive oil. Those are like my favorite healthy fat sources. And, you know, so many people would be so afraid to like have, like see any visible fat on a steak or to ha- I used to be at one point, Rachel, where I was afraid of egg yolks because I was just on such a low fat plan. I'm sure you know the deal, yeah. right? Yeah. Like to this day, like I'm still like, Oh, that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> No, I get you. I get you. It's some PTSD from yeah. it. Absolutely. (laughs) And, but the thing is, fat is good. I feel better when I eat um, healthy fats and dietary fats. And the reality is, like, I have the data, I have the examples of clients who, you know, are at a certain amount of fat. And, you know, according to the USDA, we need about 30% of our calories to be from dietary fats. And that's aligned with the World Health Organization. And in my experience, 30% of your total calories from dietary fat is an excellent starting place. It's a really good starting place unless you have low carb tolerance. And that's something I get into in my book where if your carb tolerance level is lower, because they you know there's a whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. On one end of the spectrum, we have folks with type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, um, hormone imbalances, PCOS. On the other end of the spectrum, we have those hard gainers. We have those people with the high metabolisms who can eat and eat and eat and never gain a pound. And most people are somewhere in the middle, right? Somewhere in the middle. And as a result of that, that's when you need to start shifting things. But I've found that identifying your carb tolerance level is that foundational tool to pivoting the rest of the macros. Right. Yeah. And I, I think even for me, when I first started, I, I really struggled with hitting the protein number because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just wasn't uh, aware of really the understanding of protein and how it fuels your body. And really, if you're in, you know, if you're in any sort of like strength training, you really need to, to have, you know, protein to oh, build yeah. those muscles. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also there was that fear factor. I remember when I first started working my coach, she sent me my pres- uh, prescribed macros and I almost lost it. I was just like, what? are you sure? Like I was, I felt like I needed to fire her before I even hired her. I was like so freaked out and so scared, but um, you know, I want to talk about the real quick about, you mentioned hormones and, and for women having that hormonal imbalance, or, you know, even I had lost my, my uh, period during my first competition. And then when I, uh, you know, learned to flip the switch and come back at a healthier, I never lost my period in any of my other competitions. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing, how you can start having that balance. And, and, you know, for me, I just felt like how I live on and off season was, is how I competed. Obviously you dial in more, you have, you know, your carb cycling and calories mm-hmm. get cut, but that's about it. So when you set yourself up for creating that, um, lifestyle aspect, it doesn't feel like it's diet. So when mm-hmm. we talk about like hormones now, how does that play into, uh, account when, you know, for a woman, woman in her monthly cycle, going through each of those phases that your body will start to crave certain things. Now, do you encourage anything for like, uh, carb cycling there, or do you just try to get them to this balance where they feel energetically full, their periods are back, their the brain fog is gone, their joints feel lubricated, their their body is just moving because they're starting to implement more of the fat into their body. But as you go through your monthly cycle, those obviously change in your hormone levels where there's maybe a week where you're like, I just want to eat something very carb dense, or maybe I just feel really fresh and I want vibrant uh, vegetables and colors and all that fun stuff. So how does that work? Um, you know, in the program with, you know, finding your macro type and is it okay to adjust it? When to adjust it? How do you know those kind of things? So it depends on the context of the situation, of course. But one thing that I do share with my clients is a general rule of thumb that in the days leading up to your cycle, specifically, like, how do I say it? At least it could be up to three days before your period comes, but it could be up to five. But you know, those days right before it comes when like the cravings are just absolutely out of this world. I tell, I tell my clients freely, 
you know, that you can boost your calories anywhere upwards of 100 to 300 calories. And that is very valid. That is very real. Your hormones are expending more energy. So if you feel like you need to eat more, go ahead. But I cap it out at an extra 100 calories. I'm sorry, extra 300 calories max. I encourage them to distribute those calories between fats and carbs, whatever ratio their body is naturally asking for. That could be like some chocolate covered almonds. That could be, you know, just more of whatever is going to satisfy you. I do encourage people to go higher fiber closer to the period as well, because that is definitely going to help keep those things at bay because um, going higher in fiber does help the body naturally detoxify excess estrogens, which does cause fat gain, which does boost sugar cravings. Um, now for other folks, when, when I'm working more one-on-one with people, um, you know, throughout the cycle, your carb tolerance level will vary, um, where it is higher, um, at different points and lower at different points, which can dictate how you would train. But I would definitely say that for people with hormone imbalances, you know, the overall picture of how you eat is so much different than what you think. I find that people in that boat do need more fat. They do need more fiber. They do need moderate protein. And the carb count does need to be on the lower side, but the fiber has to be up. And I I found this to be so profound that I actually um, created some supplements specifically to help mitigate that. And when it comes to supplementation, I am very much of the mindset You can take it or leave it. You do not need to take supplements to succeed. It's a more convenient, economical way to get certain nutrients. It's going to be a little bit easier, especially like hitting protein, for instance. Mm -hmm. But do you need them? No. Do you need to buy mine? No. They're here if you want them, right? But this is where I, I identified, I don't issue, I don't launch a new product unless I feel like it's something people absolutely positively need. So I have whey protein isolate. I only use isolate, not concentrate, because I want people to have things that are going to actually help them hit their macros. I don't add carbs. I don't add fillers. I don't add anything to the product. So I have very high percentage protein products, but I found a few other nutrients that people are missing in large quantities. And fiber is one of the most highly underrated supplements that I've ever seen in my life because the average person gets less than 10 grams of fiber per day. Mm-hmm. You know, women need closer to 20, 25 grams, men need closer to 25, 30. And if you have a hormone imbalance, you need 30, 40 grams, especially if you're trying to reset, like you need a lot more fiber and one cup of spinach is one gram of fiber. So like, what are you going to do? Eat 30 cups of spinach. <laughs> right. You're it's just not practical. And once I started, you know, working with people, identifying those, closing those gaps on those nutrients that they need, again, that's where things start to change and improve. And sometimes it's not always just the macros. I've also acknowledged that there's also nuance specifically around carbohydrate, because if you're doing flexible dieting, like I know you mentioned, you said you you do, there's nuance in carbohydrate because are these carbs from fiber? Are these carbs from sugar? And that's where it gets a little bit more intricate. And that's where people will see more progress if they dial in the carbohydrate sources with a, a little bit more, a little bit more resolution. Right. Yeah. And I, th- and that was kind of where I started too back in the day with flexible dieting, which introduced me to macronutrients, but overall, um, you know, you create a, a lifestyle about it. It doesn't, you know, I don't really adhere to one specific thing. It's just now that I've learned what works best for me. And it really does come from, you know, having a a nutrient balance from my macros. And so when I feel like I'm having the sluggish day or something, I'm like, oh, wait, let me go back and, you know, account for what I ate because I don't track everything anymore. And, um, you know, when you've been doing it for like 10 plus years, it's just like second nature to you. You understand your body. So again, that's kind of that going back to that analogy that I butchered, you know, you, you teach that person how to think and, and fuel their body for life. Um, but I think, you know, with individuals that, uh, fear that carb base too, you know, we have that, those connotations that, you know, protein's bad, it's bad for your kidneys or, you know, whatever kind of myths and beliefs are out there. Um, fats make you fat and then carbs are like the, the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
incorporating more of those carbs, like you had mentioned, and just getting over some of that fear factor as well. But why, why like drastic carb cutting, how can that backfire on people? Because when we start to eliminate it or remove it altogether, how does that really affect the body? Um, and why so many more people need to eat more carbs to actually lose the weight? Yeah, that's a great question. So here's why. Um, when you consume carbohydrates, your body releases insulin, the messenger hormone that moves the glucose out of the blood and into the cells. Now, a lot of people misunderstand insulin because insulin is a fat storing hormone. However, it is also a muscle building hormone. And what people don't realize is that they think that, you know, high blood sugar, they think insulin, they think that if you eat carbs, it's going to turn to fat. However, and I'm sure you're familiar with this from the bodybuilding world is Carbs are stored inside of the muscle cell in the form of glycogen. And you know, when you're carb cycling and you're depleting, you know, we all know that that's spilling over, tipping over point. Yeah. Your body can hold a certain amount of carbohydrates. And if you're trying to grow muscle, carbohydrates are essential to giving your muscles that pump, that look, that fullness. You know, you're not going to have that nice, like rounded shoulder, those filled out calves and quads and glutes without carbs in there. Now, with that being said, if your body is not able, is not getting enough of that glycogen in there, the performance of your workouts is going to be compromised. Your ability to replenish your torn muscle fibers is going to be compromised. You're not going to be in an anabolic state where your body can actually build and fuel muscle mass. Like that, those muscles need energy to grow. And without that, without a sufficient amount of muscle mass, you're going to have a lot of challenges dropping body fat. Your metabolism is going to be too low where it's going to be practically impossible. Again, it's just like one of those things like trying to get high performance out of a car that you put no gas in. You definitely need the fuel to function. Now, here's the thing. The, the, the reason why a lot of people get so hype over low carb is because one gram of carbohydrates binds three grams of water. When, when that's happening, you know, you cut your carbs, you cut your water weight, you see a drop. That drop in weight is not equivalent to fat loss. That is just right. loss. That's just water. And you actually didn't, you know, this is a pound of stored body fat. You didn't oxidize stored body fat. So like, you're not really going to look too different you'll look like a skinny fat version of yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions people have about carbohydrates. They're like low carb, I lost weight, cool. And this is why I tell people, don't even focus on the scale. It, it's a good it's a good data point to give me a gauge of what's happening with you. But like, we really need to know what is your muscle mass? What is your body fat percentage? Because that has a bigger indicator of how you actually look. Yeah, and I'm so glad you talked about that or just brought that up, you know, because the, the scale, huh? I mean, we... So many women attach their identity to the to the scale weight, and that's the dictating uh, measurement of whether you're making progress or you're regressing or you're not defined as as uh, you know pretty enough, beautiful enough, and all that stuff. I mean, but you know, realistically, the the scale, like you said, is just a tool. It collects data. It tells you you know how much water, muscle, bones, organs, tissue, skin, all the stuff that that makes up your physical being. But yeah, it's to me, uh, and, and what I was telling my my clients before is like it's the last form of measurement. It just it you know don't use that as your form of measurement. Take measurements. Um, how does how do you feel? How do you physically feel and mentally feel? Like those are ways to track progress. But yeah, I think just you know overall the scale is just it as you said it's a tool. It collects data, yeah. and it, it's not the determining factor if you're making that progress. Um, but I mean, all, everything that you've been like talking about is just really hitting the nail on the head and just, you know, from somebody, um, you know, for, for both of us actually who have been on both sides of the spectrum, it's like what you're teaching and writing and sharing and all your work that you do is so, so, so needed. And I needed this back then when I first started and here, I've been on this, you know, fitness journey for 10 plus years. And yet it still hasn't made enough noise in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. So I just want to commend you for doing this work because it's so needed because we still every day have women with that old, you know, back in like the nineties and two thousands, that kind of a diet mentality. And it's like, no, we need to just overpower it with more of the, you know, empowering noise and fitness and telling women that it's okay to eat. It's okay to pick up that weight. It's okay to let go of that scale. It's okay to fall in love with yourself. Mm -hmm. All of those things are so needed. 
So I just commend you on that because this is, you know, for me being that victim back then, which is like, I wish somebody would have done X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times you become your own solution to the problems that you also needed. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And it's interesting because people have to be in the right place to receive that. Mm-hmm. I actually had a, a very high profile client who, you know, didn't want to listen, didn't want to listen, didn't want to listen. And the thing is like, I'm not going to change my message. Like, you know, the science is the science. And when some people just still stay addicted to the scale, still just want to do the quick fixes, the juices, the detoxes, like, you know, like some people kind of need to learn at their own rate and pace. And you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And here's the thing. I mean, with this book, Unlock Your Macro Type, this isn't a book that says, this is the Christine way. This is what worked for me. Everybody copy me. This is no, this is a journey in self-discovery. Take the quizzes, really think about you. Think about how you respond. Like I really want everyone to think about themselves and how they respond and really think about the questions because People are going to feel so seen when they're like, wait a minute, that is me. Wait a minute. Like, yes. and, and that, that's the beauty of this. This is a guide in self-discovery. And I think that you touched on this earlier, when you start optimizing your nutrition, when you start improving these facets of your life, it really opens the doors for so many other areas of your life to improve because, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of BS excuses that's between us and getting to the root of the matter. Absolutely. It it illuminates a lot of things for sure. Yeah. And and I love that, uh, you know, with your book, you have the quizzes and, um, you know, the self-discovery journey. And, you know, even though everyone's journey is unique, the truth is you're not alone in it because there's so many other individuals going through their own journey that feels so unique to them that there becomes this kind of like isolation that nobody gets it. And the truth is we get it because we're all coming at it and doing the best we can with what we know. And that's what your book empowers women to do or, you know, readers and, you know, having those quizzes helps shine that light on those areas that need the you know biggest refinement or improvement. So I, I love um, everything that you've shared today has really hit home. Um, again, being on both sides for somebody who so desperately needed to hear your message 10 years ago, five years ago, even today, it's so current and relevant. And the number one thing as to why is because it's backed by science. Science doesn't lie. This isn't just a fad. This isn't just a next quick fix. You're giving them a tool to, you know, equip them for the long haul. And that's the, that's the transformation. That's something you take with you, put in your tool belt and you, you can apply it in every facet of your life. Because it, again, bringing, when you shine awareness into an area that you're struggling with, you now have the, you know, Again, it empowers you to make those decisions to move the needle closer to where you want to be. And that same process also can apply to other areas of your life, just as you said. So, I I mean, just thank you so much for being our guest. This has been an incredible conversation. And of course, tell the people how they can get your book because you definitely, definitely need this. Absolutely. So you guys can find the book, Unlock Your Macrotype, everywhere books are sold. It's available on Amazon in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook. Um, but it's available, you know, Barnes and Noble, Target, Books a Million, Apple, Kindle, you name it. It's everywhere books are sold. So check it out. And uh, you guys can learn more about me on gaugegirltraining.com. You can check me out on Instagram at gaugegirltraining, G-A-U-G-E. Um, YouTube, Gage Girl Training. There's close to a thousand videos on there and my supplement company, Gage Life. So thank you so much for having me. It was just so awesome to talk to you. And I'm definitely going to pick up your book as well. I can't wait to learn more about your journey. Likewise. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Erin underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.